Lord knows why he was on that ladder and fell off by the tank like that. Talk sheet. Recorded live. Scuba Obsessed is the weekly podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba news. Scuba Obsessed episode 191 is recorded live February 27th, 2014. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed from my frosty, frost-covered bunker in the southwest part of Michigan. I'm Darren Jilson. Joining me this week, we have Mac, the dive mentor. How you doing today, Mac? Well, I'm surviving, but uh, getting over a chest cold. Oh, my God. I'm glad to be here. Glad to yeah. be here. Well, that's, that's how you developed that, uh, those deep radio pipes. Well, I like that resonance quality I get, you know, when you're all congested and can't breathe, but uh, <laughs> it sucks if you want to go diving. Yeah. Well, but doesn't breathing on a tank of nice dry air clean you up? Uh, actually, I've been trying to do it a little bit warm, moist air. makes it a little easier to breathe. And also joining us this week, we have Jim Schultz. How are you doing today, Jim? I'm doing just great. I not only have the pipes for radio, I've got the face for radio. <laughs> That's good. Uh, I think we may have a new nickname for him. <laughs> and I want to thank everybody who's shown up in the chat room. We have... Uh, but St. Louis Sam, we have Mark. Uh, who, who's the other one that you had in there? I'm just scrolling off my screen. Rodney. Rodney, and we also have Rodney in there so far. Thank you, and once again, we'd like to thank Steve Lewis for coming on the show last week. He was great. If you missed it, you want to tune into episode 190, and we even have a few people who have said that they've picked up the book, so I'm sure that Steve's glad to hear that. Let's go ahead and jump right on into the news. And, Mac, that first article that you probably have, we're going to skip that one. Why not? I found a better one for it. Oh, did you? Well, why don't you go yeah. ahead and t- tell us what, which one you had. That For those who have been I, following in the news, we had uh, some divers. That's Bali where they were at? Yes, correct. And they seem appeared to have been left behind by their boat. <laughs> yeah, I think I licked at yours first, and it talked about seven people, yep. seven women divers. Well, I went to a different one because that didn't have much on it, and it said five women scuba divers found clinging to a coral reef after being lost at sea for three days in shark-infested waters off of Bali. It was five tourists, all female, two instructors, I assume are female, went missing during their third dive. This says five have been found, so that means there's two missing. Uh, Fishermen spotted the divers 12 miles from where they were supposed to be. And the search has involved over 100 people looking for them, and that's been like four days. Yeah, yeah I think I think that's an older article. After that one came yeah, out, I think they, they uh, found... Five Japanese scuba divers were found alive today. Yeah, well, they found, uh, they found another one a few days after that find, alive. And then I think they had the, the other one they didn't find. Wow. But that, that article that I had, which we can't cover because they end up being premium content on whatever website was they're now accusing the boat driver of just abandoning because it appeared that they were 
it was a th- short 30 minute dive by the sounds of it they was fine when they went down when they came up the sea was uh had had built quite a bit and the boat was nowhere to be found so is well, that the one the one i'm looking at uh showed pictures of the people of the, of the young ladies and uh you can definitely see where they were sunburned because one obviously kept her mask on and she's just burned a little crisp around her face other than where she had the mask on and didn't did not look like a fun time for any of them no 72 hours no no food no water and that's or gotta like be to a, say water water but nothing to drink yeah exactly floating in water uh, i i think i'd rather be in the desert because i wouldn't be tempted to drink the sand well, they were saying that during the time they had the, the rescue effort, they had lots and lots of rain. So it's possible they could have had something to drink, you know, put the mask out, collect it in their mask for, uh-huh. for water. doesn't say not, but they're saying heavy, heavy rain, which would indicate to me they got a little chance to get some moisture. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the boat skipper said he was following the divers for 20 minutes before a sudden downpour made the water cloudy. He moved his 10-meter boat to a point 100 meters away where the divers expected to surface at the agreed time. He said when they failed to surface, he searched for them an hour before reporting the incident. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if that's true on how he handled it, I'd say that's I mean, it's, it's not fine. Uh, but So it, they must have been doing like a drift dive? Well, it, it didn't really say that part. Uh, it also said the... Um, captain of the boat said oh no the captain of the rescue team had information the skipper had run out of fuel at some point and had to refuel before heading to the agreed meeting spot which conflicts with what he just said how do you run out of fuel get fuel you know what i'm saying how did you get refueled yeah what i'm betting Mm -hmm. if that if that's true and we're i'm just purely speculating but if he refueled between them going down and coming up i can't think of like if we were doing a dive around here yeah if we threw divers in the water and ran in and got fuel, you can't do that in 30 minutes. I uh, know. So he lo- he ran in, lost sight of them, and just kind of guessed where he thought they'd come up. The seas had built to a point to where when they came up, they weren't visible to him. Yeah. Mac, is there any indication that the submerged group had a surface buoy with them? You know, where they dragging a flag or anything it it didn't say in all the pictures uh let me look at uh, matter of fact i'll find the link real quick and sing, send this to you so you can see it so i figure out where mine is come on link so it's usually me and i'm i'm waiting for my link okay i just sent that to you on skype that's where i was looking at the pictures didn't come up yet okay it's in, oh you didn't come up for you jim not on skype uh, did you get them yet, Darren? Yeah, I got it. came through. Oh, okay. Yeah, I pasted it into the chat room, so if you happen right. to be one of the lucky ones in the chat room, you can follow along. I was just noticing, too, uh, looking at the the young ladies, uh, they had wetsuits on. I don't know how the arms got sunburned. Did they maybe... Or maybe you took it off out? after you've been in the water for a while, yeah. Yeah, because this one here is in a wetsuit there. Maybe they took the wetsuit off to get them on the stretcher. I'd like to listen to what that captain has to say. Oh, uh, I, I think I figured out, Jim, what's going on. I think they got another pasted in session. The, in the, another session. So okay, there, I got there it. There it is. Yep. Ah. Well, you posted. That's what I was going to do is post it. Let me see. Now I've got it up. Yeah, I, I saw the one photo before in the stretcher. Yeah, you're right. That one That one woman, she's got the, the mask burn right on her face. Oh, big, big time, big time. 
Yeah, this, this qualifies for hardcore divers. Wow. And you're right, that one girl, she's got sunburns from, I think, Mac, it looks like it was a shorty. It could have been. Wetsuit. Because mm-hmm. it's almost like a sleeve, or she, yeah. Said the waves and current were quite strong, so fishermen who spotted them couldn't approach. Wow. Yeah, I was just trying to find out what they did about the last one. You know, if you're missing the person still out there. Did they say how they got separated? Were they maybe in a couple different groups and came up in different spots? Or uh, I'm looking at a different one I just caught. I'm seeing where that is. I just mentioned they're all experienced scuba divers, have at least 50 dives or more. Uh, helicopter was sent out, but the heavy ra- uh, rain and uh, winds kept it grounded. Now, I just repeated the other part about the, the skipper had run out of fuel at some point and had to refuel before heading to the agreed spot. Yeah, that's sad if that's what happened. But, I mean, is, yeah. that, is that ever appropriate when you put divers in the water? I mean, if you let them know well, that's what's going to happen. You know, for a 30-minute dive and how much fuel have you got, you're not cutting your fuel that close, I would think. Unless you had another... And again, another... a drift dive and you're not, you know, how far should they be from your boat? And like Jim was saying, did they have a, uh, any kind of buoys or anything like that for lighting and signaling? Yeah. Well, I saw in the comments, if you look down in the comments, one of them said... Didn't say. Said, uh, oh, it said, I thought they had to have a, a buoy with them. Oh, I thought they, it said they did. So, yeah, they, nothing's indicating that they did. Well, that one part said, if he pulled them to surface at a uh, brightly colored, but there wasn't referenced at that particular item. Yeah. Well, how about this next one? Oh, one, one item. I just found yep. another one, an update. Uh, Indonesian rescuers recovered the body they believed to be the last of the seven. Okay. So they, the other one has been found, but dead. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, because you... Yeah. Well, how about this next one? Uh, a diver dragged underwater by a whale in New Zealand. Uh, this is a free diver. Claims that an orca swam over, grabbed his catch bag that was tied to his wrist, dragged him underwater until he almost ran out of breath. Uh, experts are saying it's unlikely that it was actually an orca. Orcas are known to attack humans in the wild. Like I said, are unknown, excuse me, to attack humans in the wild. Nor would they likely be interested in stealing a catch bag since the contents, which include crayfish, are not likely to be part of their normal diet. They're thinking it's more likely the work of a pilot whale, species which has been known to drag humans underwater, always returning in the surface just in time before drowning can occur. This appears to be how the whales send people a message that they're feeling harassed and people don't understand the warning signals given by a whale. Isn't this like what we talked about last week? Remember the free diver down? He's got his hand in the one mouth of the animal by the left and, and to the right. And we were saying, I don't think I'd put my hand in that animal's mouth since I'm free diving. Yeah. And then you're talking about takes him down, just what we talked about last week. Yep. Pulled him down, and he said, uh, they said sometimes that the pilot whales can be confused with orcas. They're commonly called blackfish and both occupy New Zealand's water. I don't know if like anything the, to be, be learned from that. Uh, I just like the comment that they uh, seems to be almost a sending a message. I'm going to take you down. Uh, I'm going to hold you here for a little bit, but I'm going to let you back up just in time. Yeah, it's uh, you know we're in their world, and uh, yeah, if if that's if they bring you up before you drown, 
<laughs> that that would give me a message. <laughs> yes, you and me both. Now, now to do our triple threat of tragedy in the water, this next one, a tooth squeeze. This is an article written by a longtime scuba diver, and let's see. Um, he says, you've probably noticed when your ears pop when quickly changing altitude in an airplane or even a car, the popping process is equalization and pressure changes. Said so that's between the outer ear and the middle ear. If you're unable to equalize a pressure change, a painful earache occurs. This is called a squeeze. They said uh, squeeze can typically occur in air spaces in the body when it moves from from or to high-pressure environments. And this is can be common in scuba diving. And he talks about different squeezes, ear squeeze, sinus squeeze, and the dreaded tooth squeeze. Uh, they said it, the tooth squeeze can result from small air pocket in the filling or crown or air leakage in a cracked or decaying tooth. With a change in pressure, airspace, the tooth is squeezed. Extreme pain is the result. The most common victims are scuba diver and military pilots. And then he goes on to talk about the change in, in depth. This is one thing I did not consider, nor was did anybody warn me on, that I need to worry about a tooth squeeze. Is that was one of the common items they talked in our class years ago. I think it's called aerodentology. And, oh, I can't even pronounce it today. Uh-huh. But it, it, it was called that, that one of the items they, they said check is make sure your fillings are good and you don't have any teeth that you can get the seeping of the pressure in. Also, Dan had an article on this in the last month, uh, wow. a really better one than this one, because a guy was doing deep diving with uh, rebreathers, and he had his, his actual several of his teeth come apart at a hundred and something foot doing his deco stops. Came up too fast. Well, well, it really wasn't too fast. It was just, you know, you don't anticipate having that little bitty bubble under your tooth. Yeah. And then you come up normal and bingo. But he lost uh, the crowns in two and cracked another one. So he either had a lot of issues that didn't bother him until then, and this was like his third dive in that week. Mm. But this is this is still interesting. Again, um, there's an article in Dan on it. Now we got another example of it. Yeah. Now, yeah, in uh, in that one where he had multiple, that that's got to be there had to have been something else going on because I could see one happening, but all three at the same time. Yeah, I've got to believe that you know there was a rapid ascension or he was really well or he was deep and he stayed a little bit yeah Yeah, long tissues will absorb slow you know Uh and if it's if he was diving deep dive helium helium comes out faster than nitrogen or oxygen you know it may have been a tissue absorption issue yeah wow well i know my my dad who was a submariner that was one of the things that they did while he was in boot camp is they drilled out all his fillings and put in new ones Hmm. Because they wanted well, I, to verify, they didn't want you uh, deep underwater in the submarine and then have you screaming on the floor because you had a squeeze. Yeah. Rodney's saying he, this actually happened to him. He had a bad feeling that it blew out when he was ascending from sixty feet. Wow! Wow! That's pretty. I mean, oh. I would consider that pretty shallow. But even in, in our dive school, where we just had a small tower to go up, they also, you know, they just went around with a little hammer and, and they tapped each of your teeth. Uh-huh. See if you had any sensitive spots to give them an indication that you may have had something you didn't know about before you went on your your right. tower jump. You know where you go down, open the tower, you pressurize, and then come up like you did in the submarine towers. Because uh-huh. mm. then you are doing a, a breath, not breath hole, but uh, a faster ascent than you normally would, I would imagine. Ooh. 
Yeah. Well, so but, another good reason to be checked. So you get your annual physical to get your green light to go scuba diving and also make sure you're getting your dental work done. Well, it was the, the, the nice part, I think, was on the Dan one is they were in their buddy pair. The other guy made, made sure his buddy knew he was having difficulties. And between the two of them, they basically, you know, could, he, had to, he had to take his regulator and stuff out, spit out the parts and pieces of his teeth, put it back in. It was like he held it together pretty darn good. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't think I'd want that. Yeah, that's a different angle to, to deep diver training. Well, let's let's get, let's get off of this topic, and <laughs> yeah, an Irish woman wins a photography award using an off-the-shelf camera. Jackie Campbell takes honors in the British Society of Underwater Photographers competition, and she did so using a compact camera. She won first prize, a selection of photographs she had from the Red Sea and the UK. What makes the win particularly striking was that the off-the-shelf camera most commonly associated with holiday snaps. They said in the 30-year history of the award, no entrant had ever won using such a camera. It's a Canon S90, said Miss Campbell. I wouldn't even be the latest model. It would be retail for a couple of hundred quid, uh, where professional SLR cameras cost about a thousand pounds. You know, that's a camera I've considered, that S90. I don't, yeah, and there is a couple other models would like to see couple, a picture of that. Couple of hundred quid. What's the uh, what's the equivalent of a quid? Is a quid a pound? Some somebody we got have somebody in the chat room who's who speaks British. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that a Canon, you know, those S nineties and you know the one hundreds and those are going to be maybe two hundred and twenty to three hundred and twenty dollars. Okay, Max. Mark says a pound dollar. Uh, let me jump on to Wikipedia here and see if we can get an answer. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think quid and pound are just interchangeable, but I'm not sure. Quid okay. sounds cool, though. Yeah, $419 on Amazon. 119 419 Oh, 419 on Amazon. Yeah. yeah chat see, rooms really, they're on the ball tonight. Yeah, wow. But, but that's that's inexpensive, but that's not cheap. Oh, I wouldn't think so. And that's not even with the housing, because I've considered that one. Uh, and and the, like music, for example, I always tell my kids, and they they don't get it. I can remember in the really olden days with turntables and stereos. Remember, they used to have the rating on distortion, and they you know they always rated it as like you know point one two five. It's like the cheapest piece of crap you can buy is a thousand times better than what we had in the seventies for stereo. Just the quality. I think the cameras are getting to be the same way. Oh, big time. If you have a high-quality CCD and they're doing such a good job with some of the lenses and the ability to autofocus and the settings and then what you can do with software, it's possible. And I and I believe, I'm not sure, so don't quote me, but if you, a lot of these cameras, even the inexpensive ones, have a raw setting where you can do a lot of post-processing to, to sharpen up and color correct. Uh, that, I've seen... I, I, Two weeks ago, I was actually putting up a mural that was 12 feet wide by 8 feet tall, and it came from a snapshot on a digital camera, an inexpensive digital camera, like a GoPro. (laughs) And when this thing blew up to the size, it was unbelievable clarity. No distortion, no blurring, fantastic. Uh, Did you take a look at the picture I sent you for that? Her shot was of a fish. And if you look at the picture, it's 
I'm curious how she did this, what kind of strobe she had. Because uh, the fish is actually a very good shot. It's uh, almost like a macro. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling it up now. I pasted it in a chat room, but I didn't open it. How crazy is that? Uh, uh, come on. That's a Facebook item when you get to the camera club. It's the yeah. second picture down on your left. Yeah. Well, just the, I mean, part of it is the composition and the and the fish, really. I mean, she should have bribed the fish because that fish is, that's a captivating shot. Yeah. Which then takes me back to the Irish Times. Very good, Jackie. Uh, but we, we're going to have to nick some points off her. She says she's self-described complete wimp when it comes to cold. <laughs> she prefers to dive in the warmer countries, but with a busy work life and opportunities to travel around the broader coming even scarcer. She said she's going to have to learn to put up with the cold at home and start diving here. And we agree, so get a nice dry suit. I, I said that, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, I have a package in my living room waiting for you, too. Oh, yeah, well, the, t- the, the cobbler's children run around bare feet. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mac, uh, I'm going to do my annual Friday. I think I'm going to stop over there and get it. But if if Friday is anything like the last Fridays, oh, my goodness, that work has been crazy, crazy, crazy. Let's see what's the next one. The next one is a journey to the South Pacific 3D coming to IMAX. The giant screen in the uh, Tennessee Aquarium IMAX Theater will be will be showing the film starting Friday, March seventh. Is this a, is this an old one or is this a fairly new one? I can't get it to come up on anything I put it in here, so I'm out to lunch on that one. Okay, here let me let me do the same thing and paste it back to. And you can't hear the sound effects, but the people who are listening to the recording can hear the oh, the, the got it. chirps. Uh, let's see. And they talk about underwater. They said they used four camera teams placed, traveled more than 65 hours with 25,000 pounds of IMAX 3D gear to reach Pow Pow. Or Papow. Papapapopo. Papow. Zoom. Zap. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, capturing dazzling underwater scenes and met a 13 year old islander named Jowie, who became central to the story. So if you can't get a chance to go scuba diving, you can at least watch the video. Maybe I'll get you. Maybe I'll entice you to become a scuba diver. Dancing with whale sharks. And then we have the ODNR wants to boost Lake Erie sturgeon population. Yeah, I think everybody wants to boost the sturgeon population. Yeah, they said it was once plentiful in the Sandusky River and parts of Lake Erie. They were so numerous they're considered a nuisance fish. Bottom feeding behemoths are now an endangered species in Ohio. The Ohio Department of Natural Resources wants to see more of them in Lake Erie. The agency is looking into whether it can introduce breeding populations of sturgeons into the lake. There's been quite a movement to reintroduce the sturgeon as well as protect their populations on the Great Lakes. It's a general movement to restore threatened and endangered species associated with improving water quality. ODNR usually receives 15 to 20 reports a year of sturgeon in Lake Erie. The agency believes one spotted are juveniles that swim down from the Detroit River, Lake St. Clair, St. Clair River in Michigan, where they have a healthy spawning populations. We've heard of some antidote, ant, ants, uh, yeah, that, that those things. Anecdotes. An, an, anecdotal. Anecdotal reports that some spawn near islands, but those have not been confirmed. Sturgeon can grow to 200 pounds and live 100 years. They have no scales or bones, and they eat things such as mollusks and invertebrates off the lake bottom. 
I didn't realize they didn't have any bones. Huh. I re- always remember my grandfather's sturgeon story where he and my grandmother were in this uh, fishing boat and he caught one and the sturgeon was as big as his boat and he was trying to get it up to the boat ramp and my grandfather's yelling at her to get the net. She goes, what am I going to do with the net? F- put it over a fin? <laughs> and uh, they paddled for a little bit and then he got tired of that. They He started the motor up and that's when the sturgeon had had enough and just snapped the line and swam away. Uh, so sturgeons are caught in other parts of the world for their eggs, which are used as caviar. Unlike Erie, they once eaten, but are no longer considered a game fish, such as walleye and yellow perch. In the early 1900s, they were so prevalent, some commercial fishermen would kill the sturgeons because a giant fish tore the commercial fishing nets. They said the ODNR would not reintroduce in the lake as a game fish, but as another important piece of the Lake Erie ecosystem. Sturgeon could be one of the fish specimens to help lake mussels reproduce. Well, was it on the show, Darren, or was it someplace else? We were talking about sturgeon a week or so ago. If it wasn't on the show, it must have been somewhere else. I was interested yeah. in listening, and they were talking about how sturgeon, um, if you if you can keep the sturgeon population healthy, then the entire rest of the lake will be healthy. Hmm. Instead of trying to promote, you know, salmon or perch or any one particular species uh, if you can manage for the sturgeon all other species will thrive they are the sharks of the great lakes that's where it was it was at the, the uh, uh our world underwater. In, our world underwater that's where i was i heard so much about it they are the sharks of the great lakes well yeah that's probably a fairly accurate analogy considering how old they are they're an older species of fish yeah, the difficulty is they like to lay their eggs in gravelly bottom with a minimum of a three to four knot current. That's why so many of the rivers where they used to breed uh, are no longer breeding grounds because they've been dammed up and they don't have that kind of current like they used to. Ah. Sturgeon used to breed in the St. Joe River. Really? But now you got the only place you'll find them is over on the Detroit River because of the the current, yeah. and the current keeps the sediment and sand off the bottom and leaves the rocky, gravelly bottom, which is where they like to lay their eggs. Now, well, if you, I mean, not to to be a skeptic, but if you took the dams off the river, it's not going to always have three that that level of current. Is it just? Is it the the part of it the silt washing away? And exposing the gravel, is that the other part of the equation? That's the other piece of it, yeah, yeah. the silt and the gravel. Yeah. When we were you know, diving at, uh, I was going to say, we were diving the Blue Water Bridge uh, from Huron down to St. Clair. Uh, the last couple of years when we were there, they actually had National Geographic there, and they were actually looking at the breeding patterns of the sturgeon there, mm-hmm. and they had the IMAX camera there at the time. That's been about five or six years ago. Yeah, well, the uh, at the Our World Underwater show, they had some actual video of the sturgeon breeding, and it it's very interesting because the the males will come up, swim alongside the female, and kind of bang into them with the back part of their uh, their body, the side of their body against the sides of the females to kind of you know, hey, let's go. But then the females will swim away. And the female actually chooses which male she will uh, interact with. Huh. I was I was going to say it doesn't doesn't seem that unusual for any species. Hey. <laughs> yeah. 
You, you know, get to chase her until she decides to be caught. Uh, yeah, and that's exactly it. I mean, she picks uh, who she wants to mate with and, you know, doesn't release her eggs until she's ready. So well, much for the biology lesson for this evening. Yeah, yeah, always something interesting. And this next one is something I think that we should try. It said scuba games will be held, and they said Saturday morning, and this was uh, February 23rd, so that's probably already passed, hasn't it? No, that would be this Saturday. February 20, 23rd? Is when the article was posted, so I'm trying to figure out when this Saturday is from the 30th. That's four days ago, so that would have been Monday. So this weekend, if you're listening to this somewhat recent, uh, so that that be March 1st, is that they say March 1st is the next Saturday. Yeah. So if it's March 1st, but they're saying the first ever scuba diving games, and it's going to be at sea level diving in Crystal Lake, will give snorkelers and scuba divers a way to beat the winter doldrums and get out of the house and into the water. Oh, this already happened. It says all about 20 participants, all who were either certified in scuba diving or snorkeling stopped out to compete in a variety of fun, but competitive challenging events. There were six teams that participated in 10 different events, which included an inner tube fin paddle relay race, a one fin relay race, a cone stack relay race, an underwater PVC puzzle assembly, and an underwater obstacle course. Uh, the president of the sea level diving Archer Cock Research Online to figure out the different races and events. Cock, who is also a Paddy, master diver and trainer, checked online with different scuba diving shops, see what type of races they used in hosting similar events. Uh, he and another staff member tested all the events before Saturday scuba games and trying out the three-legged race, which required participants to walk, race underwater. He said, we were laughing so hard our masks were filling up with water. So I was looking at their board trying to figure out, though, the first item was called a torpedo toss, so I'm curious what that was. The second one was ping pong relay. Then it was inner tube push. Fourth one was ping uh, bean bag bean bag drop. One fin race, and I can't make out the other one. Three legged race, PVC puzzle, and let's see if I can make out anything else. But I can't. But I'm still curious what the torpedo toss is. Ping pong relay. I mean, is that like with a spoon in your mouth and you're carrying a ping pong ball? It might be like you're doing it up, but upside down. The, that, the oh, now that would be a chore. Yeah. So you got so the it's positively buoyant. You take the spoon. You hold it over the ping pong ball because if you go too quick, it's just gonna the current's gonna blow it yeah. away. Now the torpedo toss, we've had these torpedoes that we played in pools. If it's the same thing, they're they're rubber. They're about seven eight inches long, and they look just like a little mini torpedo. And you throw them, and uh, they just they kind of just scoot around. We usually whip them at each other, give each other uh, goose eggs on your head or something. Ah. Uh. Uh. But I'm not sure you, I'd do that one. They could probably get confused with something else. Yeah. 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 yeah something that, uh, yeah, before I say anything, gets me in trouble. Uh, <clears throat> now, now, how's this? It wasn't dive-related, but if people want to know, one of the reasons why we dive is the chance to find stuff like this. California couple unearths $10 million in Gold Rush-era coins. As the story goes, the California couple was out in a walk in the rural property, and they stumbled. What they stumbled across, what they thought was an old can of paint. They they took a little bit of closer look, and they found one thousand four hundred gold coins from the nineteenth century, half buried in the shadow of a tree. 
know, they wondered had it been stolen, had it, you know, what had happened to the original owner. Nobody knows. But some of the coins, which uh, would normally at their face value only be worth maybe twenty or thirty thousand dollars, they said because some are, are such mint condition and so collectible, uh, individual coins may be, may go for up to a million dollars a piece. Uh, and they said that because over its over a long period of time, the way gold was circulated in coins is that they're convinced that this was a person's method of a bank account because it couldn't have been just a one-time purchase. It had something that would have been purchased over a period of time. And coins from different periods of times were also mint. So they were uncirculated. Pretty much whoever bought them, bought them, put them together, and kept them buried. That is one thing you learn really early in life when you're metal detecting is you put it on non-discrimination. You want anything. And when you pick up that piece of pipe and you say that's a piece of trash you really quickly note does it have end caps on it because it was not unusual for them to take a pipe fill it full of coins cap it again and bury it yeah i I, my my great grandmother i can remember this i don't think i've told this story either uh my aunt would take her go shopping every week uh just to get some odds and ends and and to socialize and she knew that she was on social security and a fixed income so she'd slip you know, twenty fifty dollars and you know, my great grandmother would always complain and not buy anything. And it took her a while to figure out what, that my aunt was slipping her money. When she did, she got mad. And my aunt said, Well, you know, I know that you're tight on money and you could use it. So she took my aunt downstairs and she had these painted canning jars and she opened the top and they're filled with hundred dollar bills. She says, If I needed <laughs> something I'd go and buy it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I want an aunt like that. Yeah. <laughs> those are what dreams are made of when you're out there metal detecting yeah and the family has trying to remain anonymous uh, they're going through an agent to help sell it and then one of my customers during today the, the american numis 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 society yeah. association uh they are actually at their show that's coming up they're going to be displaying some of the coins so i'll have to i'll have to ask them how that goes that would be cool to see one that would be outstanding. Yeah. Outstanding to find something like that. Oh, certainly. And it is out there. You know it is. You know, whether it's bottles, it's something. There's something to be found. There's there's things that people will find 300 years from now that are in the ground now that we just have not found. Yeah. Or in the river. So you got to look. And then scuba dive operators in Florida are saying they're seeing a rebounding in the economy. They said uh, five years ago, talk of diving among scuba outfitters had much to do with revenues it did with their underwater adventures. But as the economy has continued to improve the last five years, so has scuba business, many of whom saw a 15 to, uh, 15 to 20% drop in revenue around 2009. Uh, they think uh, 2014 is going to be a good year. It's a good turnaround in the economy. They said last year their diving business increased 20% over 2012. I think a lot of that's going to be helpful, though, if you're around the seacoast, like Florida and California and Texas, Mm -hmm. more so than inland like we are. Yeah. I mean, we're not going to match their volumes uh, unless somebody does something to market Midwest diving, other than us, who have been talking about it forever and ever. Yeah, with heated dry suits. Yeah, well, actually, maybe these dry these shops. You know, if they talk about the increase in the revenue, doesn't that correspond with us having the podcast? Yeah, yeah. That's maybe it. we're the cause 
of the increase. <laughs> I almost believe myself. Okay. Did you see the other item they were talking about there? Free diving is growing a lot and brings revenue to our store that we yeah. didn't have 10 years ago. Yeah. Well, and then the stand-up paddle boarding has been another one that's increased people yeah. to the dive shops. And then GoPros. I think that the GoPro people taking videos and sharing them. Yep. Well, how about this? This one, I'm calling it Dive the Re- the Week, but it's really a stretch because you really have to search th- to figure out how this is f- related. And uh, I don't even know who this person is, Michelle Rodriguez. And she shares a photo of herself meditating naked. Well, there's always a plus side to that, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, see, so I, you know, I, I being the... What was that link? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, look, I'm, I'm looking, looking for, for the $20 gold coins, but, you know, I'll, <laughs> I'll go back and look at that link you are just talking about. You, you missed the link here. Here, let me uh, paste it again. Uh, there, oh, I see it there now. Hang on yeah, a minute. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I can go back to the $20 gold coins on Amazon. Yeah. So, so for those who can't see this, and I'll be careful in my description... Uh, she is seen sitting cross-legged in the lotus position on a grassy lawn overlooking the blue ocean. And I think that's really what everybody should do before they scuba dive. Well, in one way, maybe not everybody. No, not I, everybody. I would probably have a towel under <laughs> me at the least. Under you? <laughs> can we can we vote for under and over you? <laughs> well, that too, but I know personally I at least have something under my bottom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, let's see, she she's not sitting on a mat. They must not have ants. I was going to. That's that was my point. I I think I'd get a little rash or something on my backside. I mean, I'm not that I want to call foul on this, but I think this was a publicity stunt because you know that photo got shared a million times. Yeah, just to get these yeah. guys like us. Yeah. To go naked. Oh, that means click. It does, doesn't it? Well, but we're doing it purely. For Analytically, the, we yeah, were doing yeah, it exactly. Analy- to see what value, yeah. yeah, what value did it have the divers? Yeah, yeah. So hey, I, I only looked so I, I only looked so I could follow along with this discussion. Yeah, yeah. So she supposedly right. she was in the Fast and the Furious. I don't remember her in it, but maybe she was. Not from that perspective, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. I think she was a little more dressed, probably in that movie. Maybe not, but. And then she has a friend, who she is currently vacationing with. Who also posted photos, and one of them was scuba diving. So there's our connection. Ah, oh, See, I told you we'd get there. Now, I like her quote underneath her photo, which they didn't show the photo, so she must have been clothed. And, but her, but the, the saying was just as good. Darling, it's better down there. It's wetter. Take it from me. Oh, it's. I'm sorry. It's better <laughs> down where it's wetter. Take it from me. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm yeah. Silence is golden sometimes. <laughs> yeah. yeah okay. Well, we've done it to that. I didn't find any videos this week that were particularly interesting, so no videos. And for scuba gear, we didn't get a chance because we had Steve on, which was great last week. But Mac and Jim, what was there any gear that you saw at the dive show that you just couldn't live without? Our world underwater. Gear that I could not live without. No. There were some things that I was interested in. Fourth element undergarments. Yeah, those are always good. Uh, Whites and a couple other dry suits. And full face masks. 
that's kind of what I was looking at. Okay. There's a you know a, a theme there. Yeah, yeah. The full face mask was a theme. I also saw tons of camera suppliers. Normally, there's one or two with a few little odds and ends, but these had full sets of gear. Now, I was trying to figure out, is that a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Is it that they have too much inventory and they had to bring it, or are they trying to introduce people? And these are some huge housings that were on display. Now, Mac, was there any gear that you saw there that was particularly attractive? At our world? Yeah. Uh, that bailout system for uh, rescue divers. That the harness system that looked quite interesting. Okay. Um, made sure I got some good pictures so I could look and see if that's something I can fabricate. Now that was that was a major item for me. Now Jim Kleeman and I went and we didn't connect with anybody, but we we kind of both had the same comment that maybe we've been doing this too long. It just the show wasn't captivating. Are we no. too old of? Yeah, old, not meaning age-wise, but to experience the divers, to get excited, is this, are these shows, at least the show floor, more aimed at new people or who aren't aware of the of what's available, or do we just not do the right things at the show? Were you talking about the displays, or were you talking about the presentations and seminars and classes? Well, we didn't get a chance to do any of the presentations or the classes, but would that have made the show more interesting? In, in the older days, we used to go for the classes and the presentations. The The displays were more of a nicety to have and look around, see if there's something you wanted to buy because it was mostly trips. Yeah. But in the old days, we'd go and we'd spend, we'd go there and spend the night. The club as a unit would go to the uh, the film festival. You'd go to the classes. Some guys would go to the photos. Some would go to the wreck diving but, again, back then you had a lot more clubs that were there putting forth information, not just strictly high-tech, valley, you know, places would be nice to go, but I'm never going to go to. Mm-hmm. And if I'm going to look at shipwrecks, I like to see wrecks in the Great Lakes. I know the Andradoria, I'd love to dive it, and you figure it's only 220 feet, we could hit that one, but I ain't going to do it. I'd rather have closer to the home. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's not a day drive. That, that show in Chicago has in my mind, really turned into a travel show, even since I went the first time, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago or so. Um, it's not as much equipment as it is a more of a travel show, and I, I think that's partially because of it being right there in Chicago. You're in a major metro area where there's more disposable income, but there is still, you know, if uh, I attended the sessions, I sat all day Friday and all day Saturday in classes uh, or sessions dealing with nothing but shipwrecks, and most of those were Great Lakes shipwrecks. So, you know, depending on what you're looking for, you know, I spent maybe three hours walking around the floor over two days. And that was more so looking for people. You, I could walk the floor in the first hour, hour and a half, and see all that interested me. But yeah, the, yeah. the sessions are what drew me to that show. Yeah, yeah. The hour, you're right. An hour and a half, and we we had zigzagged. We went through the aisles one way. We went another way. We crossed down the middle, trying to see everything. And you know, once you had seen the two or three things you in your mind thought you should see, it was it was it. 
Uh, now, what were the sessions like? Um, I'm going to say classroom or lecture, more so lecture sessions. Okay. You know, people were doing presentations on different shipwrecks. Um, there were presentations on underwater photography, presentations on travel. You know, there were roughly 35 to 45 minute presentations uh, on lots of different subjects. And I got to meet some very interesting people, made some great contacts, you know, learned about the, the mating habits of sturgeon. What more did you ask for? Hey, all sorts of education. Yeah, so I think that's going to be my thing next time. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going next year, but I think if I do, it's I'm going to get the full pass. I'm trying to figure out some way to make it a you know co-ed, bring my wife type event so that they can enjoy something. Maybe you know maybe make a shopping trip or something out of it. Well, there also was a camping show uh, at the. So, so that's at that the, RV, whatever it was. The RV show was at the yeah. same same time in a different uh, hallway. Yeah, I noticed that they didn't seem to have the, as big a budget as the scuba show because their signs were all handwritten. Well, it's you know the the RV industry is still in recovery. It hasn't <laughs> quite gotten there yet, but they're they were there with some uh, nicely priced RVs. If you were in the market to make, buy a show special, yeah, I've I've that's how I got my camper. Was a show special one year. Yeah, love camping. Not quite as I much hope. as scuba diving, but camping's can be a blast. So, did anybody I'll do more of it this year? We're gonna have to get our dive camp trip. Yeah, going again. Yeah, we'll have to, we we can get some of those going. I, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna try and be a little bit more organized on my weekends and and make sure that we get out and and do some stuff. Yeah, we just need to set a week and go camping up at Mackinac or Alpena yeah. or someplace and. Let the family do their thing while we're out diving. Yep, that that's certainly a possibility. Now, did anybody get a ch- chance to go to the Ford Seahorses show? Uh, I believe Mr. Curtis went. Uh, didn't get too much feedback. I did post a picture there. Uh, Sass was there, of course. Um, I think Rick was there, obviously, about the quarry. Yeah. But uh, other than that, I have not had any other feedback. I know we've still got coming up. Uh, you've got uh, let's see here. Uh, we got Scuba Fest on the fifteenth, and uh, that's the one. Uh, Go ships. Oh, yep. Scuba Fest is one that's in Ohio. Then you got the Go ships, and that's up in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh-huh. Uh The Go ships I... is the one Bob will go to overnight probably, and that's the one that's got the rebreathers. They do have techie gear, and the last time I went a couple of years ago. Uh, I liked it because they did have tech gear. It was more heavy in that aspect. And they actually had some people who weren't selling it, but they were displaying sonars and sight scans that mm-hmm. I cannot ever afford. And you just gnaw on your fingernails just looking at the pictures. Yeah, yeah. That I think that I've heard that shows more of the shipwreck yeah. hunter and finders, deep that, divers. That is a fantastic shipwreck show. And if you want to see tech gear to dive wrecks or find wrecks or photograph wrecks or light up wrecks, uh, that's the place to go. I mean, this is this is cutting edge uh, shipwreck hunting and shipwreck research. And ships. you get there is where they make the initial releases more often of things that have been found more recent in our yes. area. They yep. they pretty much tell you there. Yeah, I will be there for doing a two-day. I'll be spending the night. Okay. 
Cool. So there's at least two from the club who will be there. So has anybody been getting out diving? I know that I haven't. Oh, I've just I, been paying my doctor a lot of money the last two weeks. Uh, I've been looking for dive buddies. I thought I might have a chance to dive on a brand new shipwreck, but the yeah. uh, that that did not come to pass and probably will not come to pass right now. Yeah, for I, those I, of you, go yeah, ahead, Darren. I'm sorry. I was going to say I saw that uh, there was a a vessel that seemed to succumb to the depths in the river. Yes, the William Bomb. It's a tugboat that has uh, worked in and out of South Haven for many, many years. Uh, it has a very rich history of being involved in some rescues, and, and now I'm not familiar with all the details of it, but it has been privately owned, but on display at the Michigan Maritime Museum. It's been at their dock for the last now probably five years or more, five years that I know of and probably more. And they winter it right there at the dock with bubblers. Unfortunately, this past weekend, um, it sank at the dock. Huh. And so it's a steel-hauled tug, um, probably, I don't know, maybe 40, 50 feet long. Yeah, probably closer to 50 feet long because it's about as long as Friends Goodwill is. And it went down at the dock. Uh, so I offered to, you know, if there was anything I could do to help them as a diver working with the Maritime Museum, they extended that offer out to the owner, and he came back and said that uh, he didn't really want to put anyone in that area right now because of the because since we've had the cold weather, the the bubblers stopped working. Well, either before it went down or after it went down, but there was no longer bubblers around it. And the ice was already starting to freeze over top of the wreck. So he was going to not, didn't want to endanger anyone to, to do it because even if they were able to refloat it, uh, they couldn't, with all the ice in the river, they couldn't take it anywhere or haul it out. So the owner, from what I'm told, the owner has decided to, as long as it's not leaking fuel, uh, just let it stay submerged through spring till the ground firms up, the river softens up, and he can then float it, haul it up river, get it hauled out, and start restoration right now. They are concerned that if they refloated it, that you know anything the motor, the engine, everything that had been submerged would start to rust up immediately when it was re-exposed to the air. So they feel they're better off just leaving it submerged in the ice-cold water uh, until spring when they can do the haul-out and salvage and start to do the tear-down and repairs right away instead of letting it sit for two or three months before they can even start to work on it. You know, that's, that's actually pretty smart when you think about it as far as uh, getting it up because you know, my first instinct is to let's just get it back floating so it doesn't get any worse, but... You've got to deal with uh, element effects on it once you have something like that sink. Yeah. So now it's underwater. It's you know not exposed to air, and so they're they're just going to let it. You know the the urgency is to keep it from sinking. Once it sinks, the damage is done. So yeah. they're going to let it sit till spring unless there's a problem with uh, fuel leakage or anything. So they'll be checking that periodically and 
from what I understand, Coast Guard has signed off on this plan and are just going to continue to monitor it along with the Harbor Master and the DNR. Now, as far as they're going to throw some bubblers on it just to keep the ice from uh, approaching around the rigging, because in a photo I saw it looked like there are parts of it that were still above the surface. Yeah, the uh, the very top of the cabin was above the surface. I don't know. Uh, it appeared that there may still have been an air pocket in the bow that was keeping it partially afloat. Okay. They may, you know, elect to let that weep out and let it sit. Um, I guess they're feeling it's it's better on the bottom and covered with the ice right now than okay. trying to keep it open and you know run the risk of someone trying to make entry and have okay. problems with it. Okay. So, but other than that, you know, I was hoping to get in the river and we had some clear river and then all of a sudden, you know, it's been a crazy week. It has. Sunday, the St. Joe River had about a 40, 50 foot wide channel in it that looked inviting to get a dive in in February so I could at least have a dive in February. And I went back Tuesday and the river was completely clear in that area. All the ice had broken up and moved on down river. And I went back today, and sure enough, it's skim iced all over again. So, yeah, we've we've had some cold weather. Yeah, we're was this Arctic Vortex three? I think. I don't know, but it's just plain cold out there. Yeah. Well, the, well, down here in my scuba diving bunker. My wife came home and said, uh, are you going to turn the heater on downstairs before you record the show? And I said, yeah, I'll, I'll throw the heater on. I turned the heater on. It's got a thermostat on it. It was 44 degrees in my in my office here. Ooh. The window frame, I've got a window that looks outside, had a quarter inch of ice all the way around it and was like frosted white. Mm. So, Well, I was talking with uh, some people from the different parts of the state today. And in the Upper Peninsula, it was air temperature of 7 below when we had about 8 above. Mm. And that did not include any uh, wind chill effect. So, you know, it's normally temperature in this area this time of year is running in the 30s in the highs. And our highs are not hitting normal lows. Right, yeah. They're saying we could break records tonight yesterday and today i haven't seen the news tonight to see if we did but they were talking about breaking records yeah we're gonna break records they're saying even though we won't be as cold as we had previously for this time of the year we're still about 20 to 30 degrees below normal and that's fahrenheit yeah and i think we're i don't know if we're setting uh snowfall records but i can't remember ever not seeing the ground for all of january and all of february you know we've had snow cover on the ground since before christmas we were, I saw something, we were getting in the top 10 of record snowfalls. We were about 11 or 12 last I saw, as far as recorded years. Yeah. So, well, when was the last time you saw grass in your yard? Uh, beyond, you know, the driveway edges, and I do see it, you know, near the house, and that was last weekend. Uh, in general, I'm, I, it's been, I'm trying to think, November maybe? Yeah, pretty much so. I mean, it yeah, was, I we, know, before Christmas. Yeah. We've yeah, had, we, you know, areas of, of snow cover. Um, yeah, my woods have been covered in snow since mid-December. And we've had plenty of those photographic mornings. but Well, you figure the three dives we got in December were all on snow. Yeah. And then we had four inches of ice for a New Year's dive and the, night, and the day after. 
Yeah, that was about the last of anything resembling open water, wasn't it? Yes. Yes. Yeah, it, that, it sure was. And that's got to be a record, at least as far as I'm aware, for a long time. It's been a shame. We've had so many people looking forward to a good year of ice and wanting to do some ice dives, and then, you know, Max down sick, and Bob hurts his back, and yeah. Richard's got a thrown-out shoulder or back, or, you know, we haven't been able to get six healthy divers together to do an ice dive. Yeah, well, somebody, somebody let me know when they're going. I think I'll, I'll, I'd go in my uh, swimsuit if I had to. I tell you, I'm I would ready pay to money to see that by itself. <laughs> yeah, it, I, what, but it, Mac, his, his dry suit or his wetsuit's not much better. <laughs> I was going to say either way. Yeah, he might as I well mean, be naked. You know, anyway. I mean, if people are going to throw some money around, maybe that's what I do. We do a uh, dry suit charity dive <laughs> with me as the the recipient. The recipient. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure we could get some uh, some contributions. Yeah, I think there's people who just want to see photos of your Swiss cheese wetsuit right now. I, I saw that in the chat room earlier. They were asking about the wetsuit. I don't know if I've got... See, the, the thing with photos, I tend to be the cameraman in many of this stuff. It's like I, I get the shots, then I get ready, then I take some more shots, and I get ready. I don't know if I've... Mac, do you have any of me in my, my holy wetsuit? Uh, I no, think I do. I always take it in shadow so they can't see the <laughs> flesh sticking through it. I think I might have one, Darren. I'm going to have to go back to that video and see if that, if I can pull some still oh, yeah, that video yeah, the, from the yeah, river we, dive. Maybe we they have the rebreather dive. I think uh, there might be some some. Shots. Oh, that's true. I'll, I'll have to go back and look through the archives. Yeah, we'll look through the archives. So if we find some, we'll we'll add them to a post. Well, well, wait a minute here. What we'll do is we'll offer them for sale for sale at scubaobsessed.com. Now, if I <laughs> if if I pay, will they not get posted? <laughs> well, that works for me. Hey, before we also leave today, I do have some articles I want to talk about. I okay. have some. I got my soapbox. I'm getting ready to stand on it. If you're ready, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Let's let's. Uh... Okay, you got to watch out for the government because they're out here to help you. Uh, and we are part of a. You know, we're becoming a nanny state now. So I just looked it up again, and the Berrien County wants the city of St. Joe to continue their studying, but basically they've already made the decision whether they're telling us or not. It says, peer jumping is almost a tradition, but a tradition that takes lives, County Administrator Bill Wolf told the city commissioners Monday. Well, you remember, four years ago we went through this. Uh, the individual who was really on board at that time was uh, Jeanette Leahy, one of the county commissioners. She was the other one pushing for it again this year, or last year which had lots of people attend and said, no, thank you, we don't need a nanny state. Well, it looks like other items we had talked about then, and they said, well, nothing's coming of it. Well, it is. Uh, basically, this is what they want to do. They've been 10 drownings off the piers in the past 10 years, five from those who intentionally jumped, five from people who were washed off by the waves, Okay, which meant they're not doing it during the summer. These are not kids that are drowning. These are freaking adults and people who are under the influence of drugs and alcohol. But what they're proposing, and I have no problem with this part, 13 life rings being installed along the South Pier. They did that before, and if you remember, 56 of them got stolen. I think that's against the law, but you know how laws are. They, they do prevent that, right? Yeah. So jumping, preventing jumping will do that also. All right, right. I'm all for the life rings. I'm all for it. Um, they're going to then have a locked or latched gate to be installed to keep people off the pier during bad weather. Now, lots of luck on that one, people. So who's going to go out there and man that gate? 
Well, I'm sure what it'll do is it'll be part of the job responsibilities of Silver Beach lifeguards. And you know how the, the concrete barrier goes out to the blue? They'll just put a bar there at the blue part. Like, that's going to stop you from jumping over it? Yeah. Not. And what happens so, when they open the gate? Does that mean it's now okay to go out? And if I slip and fall, am I, you know? Uh, that's, yeah, see, that's the good part. I like that then you're encouraging it because you're saying it's safe to go out there. Therefore, if I get hurt, then it's your fault. Uh, so anyway, they're talking about that. Uh, they talked about how it's been tried several times. They kept getting stolen. So what they want to do now is make the rings monitored by the Sheriff Department and Marine Division, which I'm sure they will like. Um, now they want to make it, if you tamper with it, it's a misdemeanor, but he really wants to make it strong, so he wants to make it a felony. A felony? Felony. It, it, that's, okay, I'm not going to get any more uptight. A <laughs> felony. And that's because if somebody is injured or dies because the ring is gone or you took the ring, uh, causal, I'm not quite sure. Why and don't they says, just put alarms on the rings that would notify the police when a ring is removed? Well, they, if you'll remember, they also have the call button. Yeah. And what were the guys doing? They'd run by it, slam the call button, and run away. So they get a 911. It's like, uh, how are you going to stop that? Well, we're going to put cameras up. You couldn't even monitor what you had. And like, like to say here, you can't fix stupid. You yeah. know, I hundred yeah, percent. Instead of just putting a panic button, you put a, you know, like a press to talk. And so if if you press the button and I come back and say, hey, what's up? You need help? And nobody's there. What do I, you know, what can I tell you? Right. But he goes down and Wolf had these items in his hat at that meeting we were at because we asked about them because we had heard. Not a big deal at the time, but now they're they're trying to do it whenever people don't go to the meetings. Uh, let's see what I'll tell you here. Uh, they want to, oh, not only that, they want the ordinance to include a poor, uh, they to prohibit you from swimming near the piers. So if you're at the beach and you swim towards the pier, that's going to be illegal. Now, how this is going to go with divers, that last one they were going to say, well, if you're a scuba diver, you can do it because you're not really jumping into it. You're just using it to get in and you're getting out and you're taking your air. So I can swim because I'm underwater. Maybe I'm not swimming. I'm walking on the bottom. I don't know. But it's, it's, a, it's again, coming to be a nanny state. And I think I love the part about uh, Janet's part is the bigger issue is it isn't about liability. It's saving lives. Well, you know, I always hate the one, if it only saves one life, well, that's not true. It never has been true. It's, it's an ism that sounds good, but it is not correct. If that were true, everybody would be walking around with marshmallows around their whole body so you couldn't possibly get hurt. But my point is, uh, I would really appreciate anybody in the Michigan area from writing the council a note saying they are not for the, uh, they're, they're all for the, for the life rings. I am all for that. I am all for cameras, uh, especially for the 9-11 call box. I am not for trying to make a gate to stop me from going out because uh, on today's pa- uh, picture or yesterday's picture, it's got the Coast Guard's going out on the beach, three abreast, looking for the ice because you know how people like to go out there and take pictures? Mm-hmm. How are you going to prevent that? You're going to make it a law? I can't go on the ice? Again, as a nanny state, you can't stop that. You can't legislate stupid, but you can have uh, stupid legislation. And this is, it's feel good. It won't stop it. Because the only other item I wanted to bring up, and I will go to the next committee meeting, is... How many drownings have I had at Silver Beach in the last 10 years? I know I've had more than 10. Therefore, if you're going to legislate off the 
jumping off the piers, they have to legislate and stop the swimming at Silver okay. Beach because it's dangerous. So let's yeah, go dangerous. back to they, they, they keep saying there's been deaths. So let's go back to those 10 deaths. How many of those deaths would have prevented by any of these laws? None of them. Right. Not yeah, one. Five, you know, five being washed off the pier. Yeah, that's in some weather, and it, we have all been out there. I mean, I have dove there in a gale, which was when I was younger, and but we were we were careful. We had hard hats on, we had life vests, we had dive gear. You know, we were more situated for that than the normal person. Right. But I have been out there and taken pictures that I have seen people who didn't wear ice crampons. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I go out there, I, I am prepared that what if I fall, what if I do this, and I try to compensate for that. Um, the, the people who got active on this last time were the surfers in Michigan, and I hope to hell they, they see this gauntlet and uh, get back out there in the forefront with us again. Well, somebody's got to let the surfers know. Well, um, I will post it on ours again that I go to uh, Third Coast, mm-hmm. and I'll put the note up there because that's where I picked it up yeah. about six, seven years ago. And the surfers are the ones who got people notified last time. Because if I can't swim near the piers, how am I going to launch my surf boat sometime? Yeah. And oh. pretty soon it's like, well, does that mean I can't take my kayak out there? Because if I dump the kayak, I'm swimming near the piers until I, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, the, the problem is there's a misconception that these legislatures are not doing their job if they're not passing laws. And I want them to stop it. I want them to take away some of these stupid laws that they're doing and not add more because well, what we're doing is we're doing what the fascist governments used to do which is make everything illegal because then they can harass selectively people yes. they don't like right so well, you think if if one of those politicians was swimming near the pier he's ever going to go to jail for it no they're not going to do it for that they're going to do it for the guy that they don't like him for some reason he's not doing anything that would normally be illegal but this is convenient to use and to charge him with Right. Well, you see the comments on uh, talk show. St. Louis Sam is talking about scuba divers wind up going to court like surfers in Florida who protested being told they have to get out of the water during rough tides. It's the same thing. You're you're voluntarily taking the risk because you know the danger. Yeah. Now, if you're young and inexperienced, what does that mean? I, on one hand, it's telling me adults can the kids in high school can get um, prophylactics. They can have birth control training. You know, you're, you're 15, 16, 17. How can they have the rights to do that, yet they're not responsible enough to be able to walk on a pier or not? I, I don't know. But anyway, uh, make sure if you talk to people, tell them they're trying to do this jumping off the pier thing in St. Joe again, and that's really going to be to our detriment. We don't need a nanny state. We need Darwin's law to maybe help out yeah. a little bit. Yeah, I agree with you here. So let everybody you know. We'll have to do some tweeting on it and some social media. Let them know to be aware. Now, when so was this just their annual meeting? Does they have a well, they have a monthly meeting? So the county uh, passed the bus to the to the city. Is that well, what it is? Well, this is this was Tuesday, February twenty fifth. Is the paper? I got the articles because I wanted to uh, go look at it. I think they have a meeting twice a month, and I will look at the itinerary because I got that on one of my favorites, so I can keep track of what they're trying to do behind our back, which is exactly what they're doing. You, they they try to get their ducks in a row, which I would too, in a, in a committee meeting, then present it, listen to the comments from the populace. The populace last time had nobody in favor of it. The only other item I was going to say about that is uh, Sheriff Bailey was there last time, and he definitely supports the life rings as I 100% all for. 
but he is not in favor of a pure jumping ordinance, and I concur. That is hard. Right. I, it, it's not in the summer when the kids are out there jumping. It's not bad weather. It's safe, and the four areas they use, I dove out there, checked them out. What they're doing is not going to hurt them. I, it's like I tried to ask the lady last time, how many have actually been hurt diving out there? Well, their initial said, well, we're trying to prevent them from drowning, not getting hurt. Duh. Well, why do we let swimming? Let's just put the beat, no swimming on the beach. Well, that's, that's why I want to do my, my little if, if, if you're If you're above knee deep, then you're too far out. That's just crazy. Well, you can't even be by the pier, though. Remember, they want to make that part of the law, too. And the, they mentioned that last time. He said, what are you guys going to do? Put buoys out there 50 foot from the pier so you'll know? Because yeah. people can't judge 10 feet or 50 feet. I know I can't. Yeah. So who's going to take care of the buoys if you put them out there? It, yeah. it, it's, it's interesting. But uh, if we don't say anything, we don't get to complain about it. Yeah, I, yeah. I really like your analogy, Mac, about you know how many deaths have there been at Silver Beach. So you know, what are you going to do? Well, shut down the beach, prevent swimming, well, so that you you're don't have, have any to. drownings. My point yeah. is, and the people drown when rip tides. They get them, and what are you? You already have the flags. You already have the system of you, and you have lifeguards. Excuse me, you have lifeguards, and you still have the deaths. And, and let me ask this: When there are days of red flag, and the beach is officially, you know, they're, they're saying conditions are too bad to swim, uh, is there any ordinance or law that you can arrest people when they're doing that? You know, no. why would you have a law? You know, do you even bother to keep lifeguards on duty on days that there's no swimming? What do you think I, those would be the days to uh, encourage people to stay out of the water? But, see, when we have the good waves, I like to go out there and play. But when I yeah. play, I've got my suit on or I've got a good suit. And I, as I get older, because I know I can't go out there and, and give somebody some assistance, I could get to them. I'd probably drown getting back. But I take a vest with me. Every time I go out there, I have an inflatable vest that's not inflated, obviously. So if I needed to go, I could go. You know how that is. Mm-hmm. Being out there and having a throw bag, damn good idea. And look how many people drown going to help the people who eventually get back in. Yeah. And you know why? Because they're the young little farts who are brilliant. The old guys like me go out there and have a freaking heart attack trying to get them in. But I'll leave that alone. <laughs> anyway, that's my soapbox. Uh, if you get a chance, nothing else, write a little note. Uh, I'll put something on Facebook so we can look at the uh, who to send it to and the address and say you're expressing your displeasure. Great idea on the life rings. Love it. Uh, don't like the idea of the other because it's nonsensical. It, it doesn't make a difference. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> well, we'd like to thank everybody again who came and joined us in the chat room. Thank you for listening. Uh, it's going to get warmer up here in the Northern Hemisphere, and we're going to get some diving in. You can follow us on our website, www.scubaobsessed.com. Also on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash scubaobsessed. On the Google Plus, which is www.google.com forward slash plus scubaobsessed. And Twitter, at scubaobsessed. And on there, we post a lot of our news articles that we've got. And I'm going to be adding a newsletter subscription so you can sign up for the newsletter uh, don't go to the website yet, and that's of uh, as of uh, now. We'll I'll we'll make an announcement. We have the new newsletter set up, and what you'll do is we'll send that out just before we do the show each week. So if you want to follow along, 
or you want to see the articles that we're talking about, you're going to be able to, and you may even get to see the ones that we missed. Jimmy, got anything to plug before we head off? Not at this point, but uh, hopefully in another couple of weeks we'll be having some uh, some things to get out there. Yes, I agree. We should be by then. Uh, how about you, Mac? Um, right now I'm just trying to get well. I have <laughs> acute bronchitis. I haven't had this for years, and it's kicking my butt. Yeah, it sounds like it. So you need to get well. Probably can't. You shouldn't be on the ice. No, that's, um, at least I don't have to go snowblow either. <laughs> <laughs> she got it out. Okay. So I, I thought you made Sharon do all the snow blowing. <laughs> uh, shoveling anyway today. Shoveling, okay. Shoveling today, yes. Okay, well, you guys ready? Yes, ever ready. Okay, mm-hmm. and this was uh, this one's an article that was sent to us. Uh, I'm, I'm not. It didn't say what newspaper or thing it was from. It says, uh, and it, it seems to be written in first person. It says it's important for men to remember that as women grow older, it becomes harder for them to maintain the same quality of housekeeping as when they were young. When you notice this, try not to yell at them. Some are oversensitive, and there's nothing worse than an oversensitive woman. My name is Ron. Let me relate how I handled the situation with my wife, Carol Ann, when I retired a few years ago. It became necessary for Carol Ann to get a full-time job along with her part-time job, both for extra income and for the health benefits that we needed. Shortly after she started working, I noticed she began to show her age. I usually get home from scuba diving about the same time each day she gets home from work. Although I know she's hungry as I am, she almost always says that she has to rest for an hour or so before she starts to get dinner. I don't yell at her. Instead, I tell her to take her time, just wake me up when she's got dinner at a table. Generally, have lunch in the men's grill uh, at the yacht club, so eating out is not an option in the evening. So I'm ready for some home-cooked grub when I hit the door. She used to do the dishes as soon as we finished eating, but now it's not unusual for them to sit in the table for several hours after dinner. I do that by diplomatically reminding her that several times each evening that they won't clean themselves. I know she really appreciates this, and it does seem to motivate her to get it done before she goes to bed. Another symptom of aging is complaining, I think. For example, she will say that it's difficult for her to find time to pay the monthly bills during her lunch hour. But boys, we take them for better or worse. Just let them smile and offer encouragement. I tell her to stretch it out over two or even three days. That way she won't have to rush so much. I also remind her that missing lunch completely now and then wouldn't hurt her either, if you know what I mean. I like to think tact is one of my strong points. When doing simple jobs, she seems to think that she needs more rest period. She tends to take a break when she's only half finished mowing the lawn or shoveling the driveway. I try not to make a scene. I'm a fair man. I tell her to fix herself a nice big cold glass of freshly squeezed orange juice and just sit for a while. As long as she's making one for herself, she might as well make one for me too. I know that I probably look like a saint the way I'm supportive of Carol Ann. I'm not saying that showing this much pace and consideration is easy. Many women will find it difficult. Some will find it impossible. Nobody knows better than I do how frustrating women get when they get older. However, guys, even if you use just a little more tact and a little less criticism on your aging wife, because of this article, I will consider that the writing is well worthwhile. After all, we're putting this earth to help each other. And then there's an editor's note. Uh, it says, Ron... Died suddenly January 31st of a perforated rectum. The police report said he was found with a Worthington 80 cubic foot cylinder jammed up his rear end with barely five inches of tank bed showing. Large mallet was found nearby. His wife, Carol Ann, was arrested and charged with murder. An all-woman jury took only 10 minutes to find her not guilty, accepting her defense that Ron somehow, without looking, accidentally sat down in his dive gear. Poor Ron. He was just trying to be as supportive as he could of Carol Ann. Yeah. Yeah. 
careless guy, though. Yeah. Well, we'll just have to each pay more attention to our spouses and make sure we help them to get through the work that has to be done each day. <laughs> Absolutely. And show our appreciation the same way, right? Right. Yeah. Right. And, and hope so, our wives don't listen to this episode. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if my wife can get the driveway shoveled out tomorrow, uh, do you think we might be able to get out and go diving? Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, chip, chip the ice off my front walk. Well, yeah. on that note, and if we make it till next week, go out there and get wet. And stay safe. And be encouraging to your wives. Yeah, not to hurt us. <laughs> Take away the rubber mallets. Don't sit on your scuba tanks. Yeah, Lord knows why he was on that ladder and fell off on the tank like that. <laughs>